Our foundation verses in children's ministry come from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 3 to 5. And they say, I passed on to you what I also received. It's of the greatest importance, it's the most important thing, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised to life after three days, and that he appeared to eyewitnesses, people you can check in with, to Peter and the apostles and to a lot of other people. And we call those first five words of those scriptures, the big five, Christ died for our sins. And one of my favorite memories uh, from my very first year here at Christ Church Fox Chapel is the egg hunt out here. And before we started the egg hunt, I asked the kids, what's the big five? And one of our now teenagers, Grace Lowe, shouted at the top of her lungs, Christ died for our sins. And so... You know, in children's ministry, we're always looking at the cross. We have that great big wooden cross that's being used in the stations out there. And we use it in Sunday school every week because everything that came before the cross points to the cross. And everything that's come since the cross looks back to the cross. And it's, it's all connected. And so it's so essential that we're here today focusing on the cross of Jesus Christ. It's all connected everything to the story of God's love and justice and his grace. And that brings us to John chapter 19, verses 28 and 29. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scriptures, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, So they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. So one of the best parts of children's ministry is that kids don't function well usually with points and outlines and symbolism and and life application. Um, Children receive with their senses. And that's why so much of what we do is just teaching them the big stories of God's word and how they point to Jesus crucified and resurrected. So as we consider John 19, 28, and 29 today, we're going to consider it like um, Josh and I do with the children. We're going to breathe it in from the Holy Spirit, from our senses. And we are going to start with Scripture fulfilled. Scripture fulfilled. We've heard over and over again today that so many of the events of Christ's passion story were to fulfill what was spoken in the Scriptures. Over and over again, God is saying, see what I have done? See what I am doing? Do you see who I am? This struck me so much as I was studying for this that I have it on a little note, too, so I can take it with me. See see what I've done? See what I'm still doing today? See who I am? And so we start with, I thirst. And kids are all, I'm thirsty. Can I drink water? They know thirst. All kids know thirst. All people know thirst. We know what it's like to be like in Psalm 22 that we read and Psalm 69 that we'll read later. Where your mouth is so dry you can't speak. Psalm 22 says, my tongue is stuck to my mouth. I can't even speak. Is that why Jesus said, I thirst? So he could just loosen his tongue enough to say the next words that we're going to hear Jamie and Alex speak about. He just needs to get his tongue off the roof of his mouth enough so he could continue to be the word of God and to speak the word of God. When we think of thirst, do we think of the Israelites in the wilderness saying like little children to God, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. 
Yeah, you brought me out of slavery in Egypt, but I'm thirsty. Do we think of Moses striking the rock? And even in his disobedience, he was just supposed to speak to the rock, and he struck it instead. Even in his disobedience, God brings out the living water. Even in our disobedience, God sent Jesus Christ, the living water for us. Do we think of the woman at the well? Do we think of the Samaritan woman? Well, she's, I'm blanking all of a sudden. Well, he wasn't supposed to be speaking to her on any account. Jesus talked to this woman. And she said, I'm thirsty. i got to come and get this water. And she has to come at a time of day when none of the other women are there because they probably make fun of her. They probably do that thing women do where mm, we smile and look away and we stay with the nice folks. And here Jesus is talking to her and telling her, if you knew who I was, I'd give you living water. and You'd never thirst again. He is the living water. And here is the living water on the cross thirsting. Do you see it? Do you see what he's done? Do you see what he's doing? He became thirst for us. He took on our weakness. The living water became thirst for us. Simon Ponsonby would say, what a thing, right? What a thing. Let's move on to those next words about the hyssop. I love to say the word hyssop, but reading and thinking about hyssop, this branch, this minty flowering plant that was used for purification and healing. Over and over again, it jumps out of the word at me. Exodus and the Passover, how the Israelites took a branch of the hyssop and dipped it in the blood of the lamb and painted it on the lintel and the doorposts. And it smelled, there's this smell of this minty, pungent, tangy plant and the smell of the blood and the smell of the wood, the wood and the blood and the hyssop together. And as one of our kids in Sunday school observed a couple weeks ago, he said, well, if you put blood on the top and the two sides, it's like, it's like Jesus' head, the bloody head of Christ on the cross and his two arms. And we all just sat with that for a minute. What is he, Ten? Out of the mouths of babes and infants, the Lord has ordained praise. And we think of hyssop being used again and again in Leviticus and Numbers. We read how the priests took the hyssop and they dipped it in the wood and they had it together with a scarlet thread. What does that look like? The blood. And they had it with a piece of cedar wood. Do you see it? The smell, the wood and the blood and the hyssop and they sprinkled the scrolls, the word of God and they sprinkled the people and they sprinkled folks who had come for cleansing from disease because by his wounds we are healed. And we smell it and we hear it. We hear the words of the priests of old and now Jesus, our great high priest, has the blood and the wood and the smell of hyssop and it's lifted up to him, and he's struck with that hyssop and the sponge on the end that's been dipped in the sour vinegar and this tepid, vinegary water put to his mouth. And it's a picture of striking that door in Exodus, the one door. There's only one door. He is the door. And in that door, we escape death, and we're brought into life and freedom. You couldn't go into any old door to escape the angel of death when he came through Egypt. You had to be in the door that had the blood on it, the blood that was put there with the hyssop. There was only one door on Noah's Ark, a wooden door, and God shut that door. It wasn't an act of mankind. 
one door to escape death, the waters that want to overwhelm us and be brought into the rainbow life and freedom of God's promise, the one door. See, it's all connected. See what he's done? See what he's doing? See who he is? See how much he loves you? Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said it twice, and we know anytime he says something more than once, boy, you better pay attention. I am the door, and my sheep know my voice, and they come in and out. We come into Jesus to be rescued from death, and we go out from Jesus to bring that rescue and that life and freedom to other people. And then just as we heard earlier, boy, I think if there was one thing in Scripture, I would have loved to have been there to see with my own eyes that curtain, that curtain that was the door to the Holy of Holies where the presence of God himself was. We kind of look up there because we kind of think sometimes like we're going to direct our worship up to the front and it's a way of not directing it at other people. But he's not there now. So he's not there because he's here. The word is so near. It's in your heart. And Jesus' death tore that curtain from top to bottom. And we enter through the one door of Jesus Christ. He's the only door we need. And then he tells us to knock on the door, just like the hyssop striking the door. He says, ask and you'll receive and seek and you'll find and knock and you'll get an answer. And he's the door. He's the door we have to knock on. Go to him in confidence. The very last word in the Bible says, the last book of the Bible contains these words. Jesus says, look at me. Because that's what behold really means, right? Behold. Look at me. I stand at the door. Because you have a door too, and I have a door. The door, Jesus, stands at our door and knocks. He says, if you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in. And I'll sit down to supper with you. He will sit down to the wedding feast of the Lamb with us. And we will not hunger we will not thirst. Do you see it? What he's done, it's all connected. What he's doing, who he is, and how much he loves us. When Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, the book of John tells us on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, it's all connected, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. See what he has done. See what he is doing. See how much he loves you. See who he is. Taste and see that the Lord is good and thirst no more.